0: Well, hello everybody. Um, I'm just going to plunge in and pick up where we left off and a lot of what we'll do today is work on uh, phase plans because um, that's kind of the meat of CTI um, in terms of the structure and what's every done, what what is kind of done throughout the nine months of the program. So let me share my screen. All right, so this is where we left off, I think, is we were in the topic of um, collaboration with other providers and other agencies. And I put a couple slides in here about working with families. And I recognize that a lot of the people that you're working with probably aren't super connected um, with families. So I'm not spending a huge amount of time on it. However, so just a couple slides, um, because we give a lot of um, uh, emphasis to toward getting people connected to their natural support systems um, rather than sort of structural formal support systems like agencies and providers um, because informal support networks are so helpful and therapeutic and we all rely on them in our personal lives but there, it's more challenging to build up a good healthy support network if you're struggling with mental illness or homelessness or addiction. Um, so some of the challenges um, with doing, with trying to help people connect with uh, families are that uh, one thing is that clients may not give you consent to speak with their families. And obviously without consent, you can't do it. Um, um, so even so, I always ask about well, any family that they're connected to, even if it is, um, you know, just phone calls or you know, an aunt that visits occasionally, or somebody who gives who will pay their you know phone bill for them or um, something like that. So um, so family. So I want to approach this from two vantage points. So one thing is that families uh, can have some of the following. Um, challenges for our clients. Some family members are not supportive and create an emotional pain um, for our clients or have some kind of destabilizing effect. Um, Sometimes um, people feel micromanaged by their family members. Uh, Family members could be estranged or disengaged. Um, And so, so this is kind of from the uh, Vantage point. This could go either way, from a client's perspective and then from the family members' perspective. So, um, so sometimes our family members can micromanage the, our clients, and so they don't want to be micromanaged because nobody does. Uh, sometimes people are estranged or disengaged. Sometimes family members can be really frustrated or angry or have unrealistic expectations, and that's especially true if family members don't really understand. Um, mental illness or addiction or the struggles that their family members have and so they really want them to be different and to behave differently and to cope differently and to relate to them differently. So sometimes that results in family members being angry but not being realistic Um, that you may understand that it's not realistic what they're hoping to get um, from their client. They could blame their they could blame your client or they could blame you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been on the other end of that where somebody calls you and says, "Why aren't you helping? You know, my brother, you know, what's going on over there?" Um, sometimes people can feel burdened or have caregiver fatigue if they are providing a lot of support for their family members and it's just, you know, there's not a lot of reciprocity and that can be very difficult. Um, Sometimes people can feel isolated or rejected by others as a result of their family member, you know, having these problems. So they can kind of have vicarious stigma. So other people can have like judgments about them or judgments about their family. Um, And then of course, family members have their own problems, you know, and um, so they've got their own stuff going on. So it can be hard to have the resources to support a family member With really severe problems and they may lack information and sometimes I see this especially with um, older parents that they worry about who's going to take care of my son or my daughter after I'm gone. So there's a lot of things that family members are struggling with. Um, And so if we think about how can we involve families, um, sometimes it's not even appropriate and we shouldn't. And sometimes it would be even harmful to do that. Um, And then I have in here that sometimes we have to be able to take a little heat and not be defensive. And I think that's kind of an all our work. And um, if we're working with this population, we're probably a little bit, used to sometimes we're gonna have people who are agitated or angry or stressed out and aren't really communicating that in the nicest way possible. So sometimes we have to be able to take a little bit of heat. That doesn't mean we're allowing ourselves to be a doormat or take abuse or anything, but just, you know, if we shut down anytime anybody's like a little angry or irritated at us, we're not gonna be able to be as effective as we could be. And that sometimes can be with family members as well, that they may need to sort of, vent a little bit and and you know um, and then we can sort of hang in there we can um, have a more collaborative conversation we can provide resources information for families so sometimes they need resources like uh, NAMI I don't know how active that is in California but the National Alliance for Mental Illness or there may be other local supports um, and then if you are providing some support for a family member in the way that they are providing support for, you know, for their, um, for your client, you want to stay focused on that it's about your client, not about their, the family members to kind of keeping that boundary and role clear. Um, and then there are different issues for parents with mental, uh, parents of people with mental illness um, than there are for the child of a person with mental illness. So I've worked with people who um, have an elderly you know, like a parent or a grandparent who has a severe mental illness with, um, and homelessness. And sometimes it's the other way around that there's parents who have children that they're worried about. And when you're working with family members, you wanna be careful not to replace family functions. So I've learned this the hard way. That as soon as I was involved, all of a sudden somebody's mom says, oh, I can't provide any transportation. You'll have to do this. But she was doing it before that. And it isn't my job to replace the family functions and the family support. Actually want to enhance support um, and increase their capabilities of supporting each other. Um, And then, of course, focusing on what family strengths they have. Um, So that's, that's just a tiny little bit about families, we could do um, a whole, like, a whole lot more about families, um, but I just wanted to put in a little bit today, but if you've got questions about this, save them and we can come back to it. So now we're going to talk about phase planning. Um, so if you remember, we've got in CTI, there's three phases, nine months long, unless you decide in your program, it makes sense to have a different time frame. like, you know, uh, instead of three phases of three months, you might have three phases of four, four months and have it go whole year, sort of depends on what works for your program, but you want to do this in phases. And pre CTI is when you're initiating the relationship and kind of getting to know the person, understanding their needs while you're waiting for um, preparing for this transition. And so phase one is called the transition phase because that's when this transition has occurred, whatever it is. And at phase one, you're having frequent contact with your client. Um, and of course, that's community based as much as possible, unless there's a reason to be in a office or a clinic or your agency. And then phase two is called tryout um, in CTI jargon, and that's when you're having a little bit less frequent contact um, and that you have hopefully connected people to the providers and the natural supports um, that they, um, that are available to them and kind of shoring that up and bolstering it and hopefully strengthening that over time. And then, of course, problem solving as needed because, you know, there's no way that if you're in phase two, you're not going to, you're going to fly through with no snags. <laughs> and then phase three is transfer of care where the, the goal is to really pull back a lot and have fewer contacts and sort of monitor a little bit more from a distance and support as needed. And then eventually ending in termination and discharge from the CTF program. Um, So this is how you do a phase plan, and we're going to work on one. You choose one or two or three priority areas to focus on, and that you do that um, in collaboration with your client. So these are the areas that they want to work on. So even if you think um, one area is more important than they do, they get to decide the things that they want to work on. And then for each goal, you say, what is the reason for choosing this goal um, for this area, this problem area, and what's the overall goal for the area. And then the, and then you just figure out what the strategies are. So the strategies is basically kind of a list, essentially, of all the things that you could do to uh, reach the goal for this area. Um, so it's pretty simple, and at the end of each phase, there's a backside of phase plan where you say what progress has been made, and which goals may need to carry over to the next phase, or if that goal has been reached and is no longer an area of focus. So here is an example. So this is um, for Mike, and the area of need that is on the phase plan, let's say one of them is um, a substance use disorder. Um, and so the area of need is substance abuse services. And then the reason is that Mike continues to struggle with frequent relapses. He's on probation from open container charges and needs to avoid future legal problems. So this is why Mike wants to work on this goal and why he chooses it. So that's his reason. And that the overall goal is that his goal is to be sober or at least have his relapses be shorter and less severe. So he wants to catch himself quicker, be sober as much as possible, but you can see he's, you know, there's kind of a harm reduction element to this. So then we get to the strategies and you can see this is, you know, this is not rocket science. This really takes some creativity and making sure you hit every possible thing you can think of. To increase the chances that he will be successful in this. So we've got a link to an outpatient uh, treatment center, find 12-step meetings in town if that's something he likes and wants to do, or it might be a 12-step alternative, check accessibility to meetings by public transportation. Uh, and this might even include going with Mike, you know, uh, at least you know, once or bringing them there, you know, kind of just help him make that first, um, first contact at least, check accessibility. Oh, okay, I just said that. Um, consider ways to burn bridges that are problematic. So that's basically like, how can he um, disconnect with um, people or things in his life that are um, contributing to um, drinking rather than contributing to sobriety? Talk with his primary care physician and psychiatrist about this goal and get that input. So anytime you have healthcare providers who are on board with your goal, you know that's positive. Um, find other, and they may have other things that they can offer to Mike. Um, they might say, "Hey, here's an idea based on you know my role with you or my treatment with you, which could have to do with medication or other um, you know other kinds of things." Find other things to do with free time. Um, continue to meet with probation officer, tell important people about his efforts so they can support him. So if he can tell a couple of friends like, hey, this is what I'm really trying to do. So here's how you can help me, that can be helpful. And then talk about this during meetings with CTI. And so if you have a base plan like this and you're meeting with Mike, we can kind of pull it out and and sort of check on things over the three month period and and say, okay, what do we need to do next? What do we need to do next? How's this going? How's that going? And kind of see, um, check on the progress. So that would be um, kind of what a phase plan would look like or one, one goal area. Okay, okay. And then on the back of the face plane, you fill out the summary. So the summary for Mike would be, let's say three months later, this is the situation. He's linked with an outpatient treatment provider and he likes his counselor. He goes to an A a couple times a week, um, doesn't have a sponsor yet. He started occasionally hanging out with a friend who doesn't use. Uh, his uh, probation officer is happy with his progress, encouraging him. Is blocked calls from dealers. Um, um, he's struggling with boredom, which causes an urge to use and misses hanging out with his friends. Um, and so you can see there's kind of a mixture here. So some things are obviously going really well and there's other things that are still difficult. And so at the end of phase um, one, then what you might end up saying is, well, this, you know, Mike may say, You know what, I'm good enough with this. I feel like I know what to do and I can do this on my own and I'm feeling good about it. And I don't, you know, want to have that be a thing that we're working on because I've got something else. Or you might say, you know what, I want to keep this as a goal. This is still feeling really, um, you know, sort of tenuous to me. And I really feel like I want to kind of keep this as a goal for myself. Um, So let's see, I'm going to stop sharing for a minute to see if there's any. questions or comments and I'm wondering, does this kind of plan um, sort of seem similar um, or different to the kind of plans that you're doing now with people? Um, And maybe, actually, maybe I should, let me just share, let's see if I can share the actual form so you can take a look at. I can get this bigger. Um, for some reason, I'm not sure how to get this bigger. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I can't really get this bigger right now for some reason. Uh, but, but if you can see at the top, it says pre-CTI phase one, phase two, phase three. It has the date and the client's name. And then you have the date it starts and then the date that it ends. And what we did is we had a spreadsheet that had all the, the three-month date, of, you know, the phase dates on the spreadsheet so that when we were in our meetings, we could say, hey, Mike's just about at the end of phase one. So what's the new plan or where, you know, are you doing a new plan so that we don't forget where we are. Um, And then here's the areas of treatment. So you pick one to three areas. So there's psychiatric treatment, substance use treatment, daily living skills, resources or benefits, housing problems, money management, finances, problems with support system system or isolation, uh, and medical care. So you would just be saying, doing this with a client, sitting side by side with them and saying, this is our plan. And so you can notice it's not called a, we don't call it a treatment plan, we just call it a phase plan um, to kind of stay focused on, um, you know, sort of that it's, this isn't really treatment, it's in phases and it's really, what are we doing to connect you to things? And so then you can see here's the area, you write it down, you say, what's the reason for choosing the area? And at the bottom it says the overall goal, and then there's strategies. Um, and this is a pretty small form. The one that you can, the new one has a little more space in it. Um, and then there's three and it's, that's it. That's the whole thing. It's on one page because the backside is what you do at the end where you say, you know, at the fa- end of phase one and phase two, where you say, what's the, you know, what are the notes, what are the progress? And is this going to be, is this goal going to be continued or not continued? Um, so I'm curious to hear people find that um, looks better, worse, easier, harder, similar <laughs> to what you're already doing. Um, because for in North Carolina, that was a new form to use. And it turned out we really liked it because it was um, a low barrier plan compared to other kinds of treatment plans that were more complicated and comprehensive, perhaps, but had a little more in the way of just, um, I don't know, like trying to do everything um, and trying to make progress on everything. So you can see, this is just like, we're gonna focus on just these two things or these three things, or even this one thing, and we're gonna really just do as much as we can about this only and so for us that ended up being a really nice focused way to plan services um so yeah any any um kind of reactions or, or comments i'm not seeing any so um so David, maybe at the uh, at the break i'd be sort of curious to see what plans you all use to see if it looks compatible, um, <laughs> because it may be that this isn't possible to use a new kind of document. We were able to use this document, and I I still use it and have found it to be um, very simple. Here's the other thing I like about this plan, and this has more to do with um, sort of linking and supporting and connecting people, because what you'll you'll notice on there is there's not, it's more about what we're doing to support the client and the ways that they want to do things. And it doesn't have a lot of things about um it's it's not it's more heavy on what we're gonna offer and support and not so heavy on, you know, all the benchmarks of what he's gonna do. Like it doesn't say, you know, Mike at the end of, you know, three months we'll, you know, have Achieved this amount of sobriety and gone to this many meetings. We're not trying to sort of determine what the outcome is. We're trying to provide the kinds of supports um, and linking things, uh, linking people to things that will support them in the efforts that um, that they care about. So it's a little more service oriented than treatment and outcome oriented. So there's nothing in there about stages of change or anything. Like that, even though we know that, but we're not trying to get people to be in a different stage of change. We're just working with them where they are, which I think makes the plan a lot more um, user friendly and practical. David, do you have any comments before I move on?
1: No, I don't. I um I would be interested in knowing about what treatment plans are being used. I actually don't. Um... I I don't have those forms available and I'm sure they might be different between FSP and maybe some of our homeless outreach providers that might be on the call as well. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, really great, really great question. If anyone has any feedback, that would be be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of different kinds of um, plans. So I'm always curious to see, so DMH treatment plans. that Department of Mental Health treatment plans? Is that what DMH is? Okay, yeah. So, well, I'd be curious to see these. It might be um, interesting to contrast and compare. Um, so, well, let's, so the next thing we're gonna do is uh, work on some base plans. Um, and since we've been working on this, um, this Linda case, we're gonna we're gonna use her. Um, all right. So remember Linda. Probably everybody remembers Linda at this point. So Linda, um, I'll maybe I can send out the case again. But Linda's the one who was living in a tent and with bipolar disorder and health problems with the cat and no benefits and having a difficult time kind of getting her basic needs met, um, who is, you know, uh, got connections, some of them helpful, some of them unhelpful in the homeless community. So the phase plan we're gonna be working on is that Linda has obtained, so she's gotten benefits and she's gotten uh, a housing voucher. So she's going to be moving, hopefully soon. You know, getting signing the lease, getting you know, doing all the stuff. And so um, we're going to be assuming that we're going to do it, be doing a phase plan related to the transition of Linda moving into new housing. So let's get some ideas about, and let's just do this in the chat function, and then we'll get into small groups and do um, an actual face plan. So, but first of all, let's think about what are the various um, ideas that people have about what would be the most important thing if we're just gonna use one or two or three. So I'll just go through them all again and just put in the chat box what you think. Um, So there's housing, there is um, substance use, Right, Uh, finances and money management, Um, and so sometimes what happens is you kind of know some of the things that have to um, that need to be um, done, and figuring out what category to put it into. There's substance use, psychiatric treatment, medical care, housing, financial management, um, benefits. I think that was it. So let's see what ideas are coming up here. Okay. So budget to maintain housing. So that would be under finances. Um, Arrears, yeah, that would probably also, that's one of those things that potentially could go under housing because there'll be probably a whole bunch of things, housing or could be money management. So substance use group food resources. mm -hmm. Substance use treatment or 12 steps. All right, other, so when we go, when we think about this category, somebody's first moving into housing, what do you think would be the most important category to be paying attention to? So probably housing, right, I mean, because if, if somebody's moving to housing, probably the Big, most important thing is everything related to moving in and settling into a new place to live, because it's like you know a lot. Um, So that probably would be one thing for sure. Anytime somebody is like moving in somewhere, then housing is going to be kind of uh, a very big, important area to pay attention to, because that's going to include how are you going to pay your rent? It's going to include setting up the utilities. It's going to include Lease signings include understanding the lease, it might include that guest policy, you know, like all the things related to, you know, getting furniture, figuring out, you know, so the food resources might be really important here. So anything that's related to um, moving into new housing. All right, let me share again. So we're going to come up with strategies for this, for one of these goals. So um, this slide's not exactly accurate because we didn't come up with something specific, but here's what we're gonna do. Um, let me pull up. Okay. So let's assume here that, oh, that I really do wanna see if I can make this bigger. don't know why I can't find this something about the display. Um, Anyway, I'm hoping that you guys can see this um, well enough. So let's say for Linda, we're going to choose housing and money management because she just got benefits and she just got housing. Okay. And um, so we don't, So we don't necessarily need to focus on benefits right now because she already has food stamps and she just got disability benefits. So now it kind of moves into what do you do with this? And she now has money. So money management is now sort of a new area of her life. She hasn't really had to manage money before, but now she does. And she's moving into housing. So there's a whole bunch of other demands with housing. So why don't we say so? We're going to do probably two phases with Linda. So let's say we're going to start with housing, money management, and not so much worry yet about medical care, even though we know she has medical problems, um, and maybe not worry quite so much yet about you know other kinds of treatment um, because she's let's just say she's saying you know let me get settled in first. I don't really want to go see you know, a doctor yet, I don't really want to go see this. I just want to move into my new place and I want to have my cat and, you know, I want to, I, I want to pay my own bills and I want to like settle in. I can't wait to get some furniture and decorate. Okay. So why don't we get into groups and um, let's see. Um, So why don't we do those two areas? So if there is somebody who is able to Uh, Print this off and take notes, or who would just be willing to take notes on a piece of paper and then report back. Um, So, we're going to pick area one housing, area two money management, and then why you're choosing the area and the overall goal. And again, nothing complicated, just like, you know, what is the keep it, it's just like a sentence, and then come up with a whole bunch of strategies that seem related to that goal being achieved. Um, So any questions um, about that? Great. Yeah. So when you're in your groups, you know, have somebody um, who's willing to take, write the stuff down, have somebody else who's willing to sort of report back when, you know, we come back um, about the ideas that might end up having to be the same person I just realized because that person would be looking at the document and then everybody just kind of brainstorm ideas. And again, you know, it's, it's, um, there's not, since it's brainstorming, it doesn't have to be a perfect idea. It just has to be an idea that seems, you know, related and that it's not getting into another category that is um, not related to the goal or not something that Linda, you know, isn't interested in yet. And so if something comes up like that, you can always make a note, sort of like note for future, you know what I mean? And that might be another thing that you're doing um, when you're really working with people, you're thinking, boy, one, you know, down the road, I hope we can work on this other thing because I can see how it's important. All right, if there's no other questions, why don't we just get into small groups and um, work on this and feel free to invite uh, one of us into your group. If you have any questions, um, we'd be happy to pop in. All right, I think we have um, everybody back. Um, So even if you didn't finish or even if it, you know, we just had a lot of conversation. You weren't exactly sure what was, you know, sort of the uh, best idea. Let's kind of just talk about it, and then I thought it might be good to uh, compare it with the things that you're already doing because I know it's really different on the FSP teams, which is similar to our act teams. Um, so let's see. Would somebody be who um, would be willing to um, share? what their group came up with. If you were the person who uh, was the designated reporter, I think there was some really good ideas that probably um, other people are thinking about as well that for housing goal, there's a whole lot to do, right? There's and some of the things that we're getting furniture, uh, figuring out preferences. You have preferences for what apartment unit, if there are choices. Learning the community, like, right, like what's around you, what's close by, where's, you know, where's fast food, where's, you know, the bank, where's the grocery store, where's the bus stop, you know, whatever's around the Dollar Tree. Um, I don't know that anybody talked about this, but maybe a reasonable accommodation for, um, uh, for the cat. Yeah, Jessica says setting up a calendar because now there's probably a lot to remember, like appointments and oh, this is the date of, you know, that um, your rent is due, or this is the date your inspections coming up, right, there might be things like that, um, knowing where the trash is, doing, understanding the lease, right, kind of like, here's all the this is a lease, let's talk about what you need to know in the lease, I love the idea, and I I'd forgotten about that, about doing something like you know, cookies or something on the first day. And I know when we have people move in, one of the things we want to make sure of is, well, the day they move in, we don't want them to have like nothing to eat, but, you know, canned peas from the food pantry, you know, like that is no fun. You want to figure out like what's, what can they have right away that they can eat that's good in their own home. So something related to food, especially in the first you know, 24 hours, especially knowing how to use the oven, knowing like, yeah, what's the neighbor's situation like? Um, I thought those were some awesome, really, really uh, good ideas for housing that are going to be kind of just, you know, need to know, and probably a pretty long list. You would probably have to like expand that portion of the base plan to make it really big and sometimes we have a whole other document of like what to do making sure they have like personal hygiene supplies and a shower curtain we have a big moving template list where it's like trash can trash bags shower curtain like all the things that you know you absolutely need to have when you move in or you're just not gonna uh, thrive um, I should send that to people too although it's probably a pretty uh, pretty simple document. And then some of you mentioned some other things that might fall into budgeting, like a whole other category of finances. So she has this benefits, um, you know, these benefits coming in now. We don't know anything about her ability to keep track of bills. So it might even be possible to suggest to her, you know, whether or not she wants a represent- representative payee. Most people don't like that. Um, but checking, applying for these discounted utilities, you know, that kind of fits in with housing, but also fits in with finances really well, because it has to do with being on a low budget. Um, And then there might be things like doing auto draft for certain kinds of bills. Are there old debts to be, you know, arrears to be paid, you know, with the utility company uh, setting up you know, if there's something to set up with a, you know, with the phone, like every once in a while, people still like to have a landline um, or they want to get renter's insurance or um, they have to figure out a budget because when you're homeless and you have benefits, you don't have to pay rent and all that kind of stuff. There's so setting up a budget might be um, a really important thing to do. So if you had housing and budgeting, you would be hitting two really important areas that are very, very relevant to what's happening right now. Um, And so, you know, some people said like a substance use group which um, would be, you know, that might be really relevant and it it would probably depend on Linda if she wanted to do it. And, you know, did it feel like um, sort of time, um, time sensitive like it needed to happen now? Um, Because once people get in and are housed, then you can always switch gears and do a different goal area at phase two, or in the middle of phase one, you know, people can do whatever they want. Um, So, but those would probably be the two areas to prioritize would be the housing, um, moving into housing and figuring out the finances. And then Linda, you know, who knows for category three, she may say, that's enough for me. That's all I wanna do. Or she might say, I really wanna get into treatment. I really wanna find 12 step programs in this town. I need to meet people. Um, I need to get a new sponsor. And so that might be a whole other area or she might say, you know, something else like I wanna find a church and learn how to and find a cooking class um, or find out if there's a psychosocial rehab in the area or, or whatever. So those would probably be two, um, two most important areas. Um, so let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to show you another example of a base plan um, just to give you another idea. So, and this is not Linda. So let me show you this case. Okay so this is a case um, that I'll just talk about a little bit but it's just really to show you a face plan. So Allison is a woman who was in jail and then um, is in the women's shelter with PTSD, bipolar disorder, alcohol use with criminal charges um, and a variety of criminal charges And she has CPS involvement because she has got um, a three year old daughter um, that is still with her. Um, And so she's, and so the daughter is still with the boyfriend's mom. And she's in the single women's shelter, but there's also a family shelter. And she would like to go to the family shelter and have her daughter with her. Um, and she wants to get her own home and she wants to have custody of her daughter and she wants to get out of these legal charges. And she also feels like she wants to kind of get treatment for her mental health disorders. Um, But she's not so motivated to stop drinking because she feels like that's how I cope and it's not a big problem, right? So that's probably a story you've heard. So here is a potential face plan for her. Okay. So here we go. So she's chose, um, Hope oh, we have some use treatment on there. That's probably a mistake <laughs> based on the case, but legal and housing crisis. So this is, you know, a little bit different than Linda's. So for legal, um, you know, for the legal area, um, this was Allison really wanted to work on this because she wants to comply with all the court orders because it relates to custody and also with getting off probation. So strategies might be to meet with a probation officer so that the probation officer could say, hey, she's connected to this program and they're supporting her and I can call them if I have a question and, you know, we're going to support her in doing well on probation. Um, finding out all the requirements, making sure to attend all the court dates. So what I do sometimes, I don't know if you all do this, is if my clients have important dates coming up, like intakes for mental health treatment or court dates or something like that, I will put it on my calendar as well because I tend to work with population that doesn't keep very good track of all their dates and giving them reminders the day before or keep talking to them about it is important. Um, finding out who the public defender is and contact the, CP, the child protective services worker to keep them informed about the legal status. So that would be a way to support Allison in this legal area, even though, you know, the CTI team might have nothing to do really with this legal problem that she has, we would be trying to support her and just knowing everything she knows, doing everything she's supposed to be doing um, to help her improve her legal standing because she cares about doing that. And so the next area would be housing and she's choosing this because she's homeless and is living in a shelter. So she might apply for housing, uh, get on any kind of wait list. So you can see we've got several things on there Ensure that she has all the contact information to follow up because sometimes what happens is if you, your phone number changes or your, then if you come up on a wait list, they might not be able to reach you. So that might be, you know, something that you do. Uh, Collaborating, like I always like to meet with shelter staff to say, hey, I'm working with her. If there's any, you know, issues that come up, I'm here to support her. We want her to be successful here. Um, because it's really frustrating when you have somebody at the shelter and then all of a sudden you get a call from the shelter say, yeah, they had 10 warnings, and now they're discharged They they had to leave at noon this morning. Um, and so if you can help people have good standing at the shelter so that they can be there. Then sometimes what that means is you need to collaborate and find out how are they doing? Are they having any warnings? What are they for? Or that's how it you know, may be different in your shelter system, but whatever are the things they have to do. Um, and then talking with a child protective service worker to find out if she can work to having her daughter live with her at the family shelter. So that's another way to support her. And that the goal is to stay in the shelter and until she's able to find permanent housing where she can live with her daughter. But with somebody with those kinds of pro- the problems that she has, it might be difficult for her to to do that. So even though she doesn't have housing, you can still work on a housing goal if it's important, um, you know, kind of given where she is. And then substance use treatment. I know this doesn't match the case, um, but this could be. Um, Uh, let's see, connecting with a provider, going to meetings, getting a sponsor, doing anything that might, you know, um, look like finding a substance use treatment program or residential program, really just whatever she wants. And then you would just be a supportive person and talking about like, how are you doing with this? And do you wanna do it? Um, I mean, do you wanna sort of talk about your recovery and, um, you know, how can I support you? Um, not that we're telling people what to do, but we're offering ourselves as as support. So that's kind of what phase plans look like. Um, So it's um, 15 minutes past 10, if I'm calculating that right. So why don't we take a, uh, a break and come back at 10.30, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this and move on to our next thing. Well, let's see, I am back. Maybe we can see if if you are back and could just give me a thumbs up emoji. i appreciate it just so I can, or put your face on. Yeah, anything. <laughs> just so I have a little feedback from the universe. Thank you. <laughs> I have to admit it's like, I am such a people person. It is um, it is challenging for me to um, be on virtual. Um, so I appreciate um, anything you do to, to make it more real, so. Um, so let's, um, so just sum up a little bit about the FACE plan. Um, so it's, I, I would just like to make a case for using it, even if you have to do something bigger or more complex with uh, your clients or I'll make a case with your programs to use it because it's very simple you do it with a client, they usually like it because they're kind of in charge of it. You check out each step with them and then you have a document that will help you keep track of what you're doing. And even after you do each thing, you can put a check beside it or it's the thing you were trying to remember to do um, each week. And it's just a nice tool to just um, keep track of, what you're doing in service to the goals that are important to the client, one or two or three goals at a time. Um, And so having used this tool for a while, um, I've had pretty good success with it. Um, So I don't know if anybody else has any thoughts about whether they feel like it would fit into their work or would not fit into the work. I think it can even work with street outreach, even if you don't have phases. Or transitions, because it would still allow you to focus on one thing at a time, um, and and not miss anything. You know, like sometimes what happens, you can say, well, I know this person needs help with their benefits, but if you don't write down all the possible things that you need to do, um, then things can fall through the cracks, or you can forget them, or your client forget them or you know you think oh shoot you know that was i thought this other person was doing that and actually i'm supposed to be doing that or they said they would do it but i never asked them if they did it you know there's all that kind of stuff that can happen um so any other comments on the plan or questions about it okay so let me see what's next cuz i might change things around a little bit. Um, so let's see here. Um, so we did that. Um, so I think we won't do this as a small group thing, um, but if just thinking about Linda and, and sort of her plan going forward, cause there's a lot of stuff to do about, um, like let's say about all the things related to living in this new place and um, contacting, you know, the people she needs to contact like the uh, apartment manager or the maintenance people or how to, you know, all those different things. So part of what we're trying to do is helping people build their own skills. And one way that we can do this is to sort of give people a lot of information that will allow them to do things more independently on their own. And sometimes what can happen is people don't know what to do and don't even know what to ask, you know, because they can't really anticipate it because they don't have any beaten path toward a set of skills. or they think they, they, think they know or, um, but that it's more complicated than they realize, or you know some of the potential pitfalls with the situation or some of the potential pitfalls with your client because you just know them well. And so one thing that can um, help is to do some kind of instruction, coaching kinds of things with people. And so the way to do that I think is to first of all ask Your client, if they would be willing to talk about it, because you always want to kind of ask permission before you start doing this with people, but to say, you know, hey, Linda, can I talk with you? Can we have a conversation or can I share what I know about this apartment complex and what things might come up for you so that you have as much information um, as possible going forward? And so let's assume Linda says, Sure, I think I know, but okay, um, because she's being nice to me. So then what I might do is say something like, um, well, I know that um, if you can't reach, you know, let's say you have a maintenance problem or a question and you can't reach them, then um, make sure you leave a voicemail because I know sometimes I don't answer right away, but usually they get back within twenty you know twenty four to forty eight hours. And then if you don't get an answer, then you can check back. And also, you know, this is the thing to know about you know the quiet hours around here, or you know, so you can kind of provide some information about whatever, how to you know use the laundry facilities, how you know what the quiet hours you know are how to get a maintenance request, what is appropriate for a maintenance request. Might say something like, so if you think you can fix something, um, you should check first. Like say she says, oh, I know how to, you know, I know how to um, fix plumbing under the sink or I can patch this wall myself. Then, you know, then I might say, well, you may know how to do that, but I know how these, Uh, apartments go that they really want you to call the maintenance person, even if you think you could do it yourself, because that's just kind of, you know, how they, uh, how they operate. So now that you're in its apartment complex, you kind of have to do things um, the way they want to do it, even if you disagree or think you could do a better job. So, um, you know, so would like, Be trying to explain things along the way might do the same thing with like hey when you go to this agency to apply for transportation um, you'll probably need to bring this kind of documentation you might be waiting in the lobby for a while so make sure you go you know you know after you've had some lunch this is the slower or the busier time of day to go Um, sometimes you know they seem very kind of officious and not very warm and fuzzy, but they're just doing their job. So, uh, you know, just be prepared that they might not seem that nice, but this is like the thing that you, you know, but they will give you the service if you're entitled to it. This is just happens to be what it's like in an agency that I know where for some reason they all seem really unfriendly. And I just want um, my clients to be prepared for that. So um, it can be helpful to just talk through things with people so that when they go, they can um, you know, kind of know a little bit better what to um, expect or how to do things. And then sometimes you might be doing things um, with people. So I have one little um, example of, of this that came up where I miscalculated and I thought a person could do it by themselves, but it turned out they needed uh, my help. So I had this client who needed to go get testing for um, hepatitis C because she was with a guy who turned out um, was an IV drug user and she was sleeping with him and he turned out had hepatitis C and she was completely freaked out and upset. And I said, let's go to the health department, they will, you know, they will test there for that. And so when I went with her, I said, you know, there's the window, you know, and just tell them what you need and I'll sit tight right here and I'll wait for you um, until you're done. And so then she went up, she had a conversation, she came in, she walked right past me and went out the door. So I went after and I said, what happened? She said, they won't, they won't give me the testing. And I said, what happened? You know, why not? And she said, well, they said I had to have a contact. And I said, do you know what that meant? She said, no, but I don't have a contact. So I guess I can't get it. And then what they were telling her is that she had to have had some kind of contact with somebody who would have seen in order for them to test her. And she did, but she didn't even know what that meant. And they didn't explain it very well. And then she was just embarrassed and frustrated and left. So then I had to say, "Wait, no, I think I know what they meant." And you have. And you know, I'm sorry that felt really just difficult and stressful up there. But let's walk up together because you're entitled to this. You deserve this, and it's really great that you're trying to take care of yourself and your physical well-being. And this is your job. And you know, um, so let's go up there and do this. And so, you know, she just needed a lot of support to do it and the system didn't make it easy for her. So I had to help her figure out what to do. And even then it was trickier than I thought it was gonna be or what she thought it was gonna be. So then I, you know, then after was able to say, wow, well, that was really difficult. At least you got it. Did they tell you what to expect next? What are the next steps? You know, how are you feeling about that? and, you know, have a time to sort of debrief um, because these things that may seem simple to you because you're really skilled and experienced about navigating all these systems can be really overwhelming and, um, you know, difficult for people. So that was kind of a lot of um, talking, but, (laughs) uh, you know, just, you know, trying to make the case for um, checking in with your clients about these things in an ongoing way and, um, you know, keeping things like simple and supportive and not assuming that people know how to do the, all these things or can do all these things. And at the same time, being very, very respectful of their abilities and strengths and right to make their own decisions. So I think it's a tricky balance to do at times. Um, any comments or from anybody in the group? David, is there any? I'll pause for a few seconds, see if there's any chats.
1: I'm not seeing any uh, any questions or comments.
0: Um, so why don't we do, so I have kind of an idea rather than getting into small groups, I thought maybe we could do just a little role play right here in the big group. Um, And so this would be, um, let's say Linda's just moved in and we know that she hasn't had really any structure as a homeless person and just been kind of out and about and being sort of her free self. And now she's in a house or an apartment where all of a sudden there's not this hustle that she has to do every day about getting to the community kitchen for the meals and figuring out where to panhandle and having people just... You know, just navigate life, um, and so we know this is one of the challenges. So, if I'm going to be the Cti worker, I was wondering if somebody would be willing to be uh, Linda, and we're not testing ourselves on acting abilities or just giving this a try. And if if and it doesn't matter if you're female or male, um, and if anybody's willing to volunteer, great. And if not, I'm going to make David do it. Okay. <laughs> So David's really hoping that somebody else will jump in. <laughs> all right, going okay, David, I'm counting down. I'm gonna give it 10 more seconds to see if somebody's feeling like they want to be, wanna be Linda. <laughs> all right, well, um, David, I'm so sorry, do you mind?
1: Not at all.
0: <laughs> okay, all right, good. So, uh, so, you know, it sounds like Linda pretty well. So I, what I was gonna do is just um, imagine that, you know she's been in the place for a couple of days and I'm seeing her a lot. And so I'm gonna go and, and suggest that we plan something with her and that and you are going to be willing to do that with me, David. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then you're just gonna make up it doesn't really matter kind of what it is you're just gonna kind of be spontaneous. Um, so, um, so I'll just start by imagining I just came in. So, Linda, hey, it's a nice to see you this morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Janice. Thanks for coming to see me. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. And I um, did you did you sleep any better last night? I know it was a little rough those first couple of nights in a strange
1: place. It, it it was okay. Um, yeah, it was different, and I'm still trying to, you know, make sure I feel safe, but, um, you know, I had a, um, I had a couple of drinks before I went to bed that seemed to help.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, it's really a lot to do with. I'm really impressed, actually, with how you're doing so far, you know, it's been a lot of upheaval, and I'm really glad you're kind of hanging in with this, and hanging in with our team, and, and I hope we can keep on Um, making this a little easier and a little better as we go along. And one of the things that I remember you were saying uh, yesterday when we we talked is that it kind of feels super kind of quiet and you're not really sure what to do with yourself, you know, once you kind of wake up and have your coffee and feed your cat.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that, yeah. Yeah. So when I was thinking about it, you know, that seemed completely normal to me, you know, because most of us do better when we have, like, things to do, and especially because you're so used to having such a busy life, Um, and so I was thinking we could, uh, if you're interested in doing this with me, working on planning a schedule of things to do for the next few days to see if that is helpful to plan ahead so you don't have to, you know, try to invent your day as it goes along. Yeah. That's, Does that sound all right?
1: Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a good idea. I I, I have been feeling bored a little bit and I, I don't know exactly what to do with that. So that sounds like a really helpful thing.
0: Okay. All right. Well, why don't we just start, you know, with the next um, couple days and then we'll see how that goes. So um so, so let's see. So today is um, Friday. Mm-hmm. So why don't we you know, at least plan Saturday and Sunday, um, cause and then we'll be talking again. So we've got, you know, morning, afternoon, and evening. Those are kind of the biggest sort of chunks of our day that we have to figure out, you know, what we're doing. Um, so let me ask you first about what time do you tend to wake up and get going?
1: Usually around maybe eight o'clock, I try to get up and, um, uh, sometimes I'll get up earlier because um, because my cat will usually wake me up when uh, when they need when he needs food, um, but I mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go back to bed after that most of the time and fall back asleep and then get up around eight.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, cats do have a way of uh, interrupting our flow, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when you think about your morning, what do you uh, think sounds like a good way to spend your morning after you get up? Like, what do you like to do in the morning that, um, you know, to kind of get your day started?
1: Well, I I definitely like to have, um, have some coffee. That's, that's a good way to wake up a little bit. And, um, and I've been, you know maybe catching up on the, the news to see if there's anything that I should get yeah, that I that I think is mm-hmm. important to know about. Um so I'll do that for maybe 30 minutes or so. Um mm-hmm. but yeah I feel like I might be able to do something else in the morning that mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if you have any ideas, but something that might help me to just get the day started and mm-hmm. um and and feel a little bit more awake. Sometimes I still feel, even after coffee, a little groggy.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Well, it sounds like you've got a good start. So you have, you know, getting up, taking care of your cat, having some coffee, watching a, lo- a little news. It sounds like a nice morning ritual. So um, I can throw out some other ideas and see if that, you know, if any of them sound interesting um, to you. Um, so, possibly doing something outside or taking a walk before it gets too hot, or um, if there's um, like any errands or anything like that you need to do, um, or hobbies.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I wish I had some hobbies. I, I don't feel like I have a whole lot. Um, but walking sounds like a, a a good idea. I I haven't really explored much of the neighborhood yet, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that might be helpful for me to uh, take a walk. I I think maybe thirty minutes for walking in the morning might
0: mm-hmm.
1: might be okay.
0: doable. Sure, yeah, we can just you know start with something you can build on it. So why don't we say like tomorrow morning you'll experiment with this and see how it goes or so, like getting your copy, taking care of your cop, uh, cat, watching a little news, and then maybe taking a walk around the neighborhood. Um, and then see, see how that feels. Okay. Um, so we don't want to try to be, you know, do, you know, the goal is not to do everything that you have to do in life in the next two days just to kind okay. of just start to structure your day. Um, So, so then let's think about the afternoon, Um, I know you were saying that you've been missing a couple of your friends or just having um, time to see people so I'm wondering if there's anything you could do in the afternoon, you know, or in the evening to uh, get your uh, people needs met, you know, be around people in some way, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that would be really helpful. I don't know anybody around here yet. So I've been really just keeping to myself and I, I haven't made any um, any new friends yet. So um, yeah, kind of maybe, maybe going to where some of my friends were before to say hi and spend some time with them might be something that I can do. I think in the afternoon would actually work out okay um that's when they're typically you know they might be available around then
0: yeah well that sounds nice I bet they'd be happy to to see you are you still welcome to go to the community kitchen for lunch um as far as you know I don't think you have to be mostly people who are homeless go there but I don't think I think anybody's welcome
1: uh, you know, I, I haven't tried. I, um, I think that's a great idea. If, if you think I'd be able to go, um, if you think they'll let me in and mm-hmm. I'm not homeless anymore, so I'm not allowed to get food.
0: I'm almost a hundred percent sure because I sometimes go there myself <laughs> if I'm getting together with people and, and that might be a nice way to, you know, probably be good for your food budget and you could see some people and get out so you want to try that for an experiment see what that's like and then maybe do a little visiting yeah
1: i think that would be fun i i guess i'm just nervous that that somebody's going to tell me i don't belong or that i shouldn't be there because i because i'm not homeless anymore um but if you think it it would be okay i could give it a shot
0: I tell you what I'll do, how about this? I will call um, Shannon who works over there. Um, You know, Shannon, okay. Mm. And I'll ask her and make sure um, that it's perfectly okay. And I'll let you know.
1: Okay, oh, thank you. That would be really helpful.
0: All right, fantastic. Um, And so let's see in the evening, um, how do you like to spend your time like sort of around dinner time and in the evening?
1: Well, so far, I mean, all I've done is just watch watch TV at night. And um I haven't I haven't done anything else. It's not too bad, but um yeah, I'm, i I start to feel more lonely sometimes in the evening, mm-hmm. I've noticed. Um yeah. but perhaps if I, you know, if I got to see some of my friends in the afternoon, I won't feel as lonely in the evening when I, mm-hmm. I'm watching TV after I've made some dinner. Yeah. And you know, actually, a
0: lot of people are watching TV after dinner. So you're kind of, you know, one of many who's <laughs> kind of chilling out in the evening watching TV. Do you tend to make yourself um, some, you know, food in the evening, or what are you doing for dinner now that you've been living on your own?
1: Um, well, so far, I've only I've only tried boxed mac and cheese, mm-hmm. and. It's come out pretty good, but I'm starting to get a little sick of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, maybe it's time for another um, another menu item.
1: Okay. Do you think Do you think I would be able to learn how to cook?
0: Yeah, I think so. I tell you what, if you can cook mac and cheese that is a great building block because a lot of things are just sort of similar. It's, you know, knowing how to use a stove which you obviously know how to do. And, you know, you could always start um, small by going to the grocery store and seeing what's in that part of the grocery store where mac and cheese is, you know, where there might be like, I don't know, rice aroni, and then you can add, um, go and see if there's something you would like to add to it. like ground beef or rotisserie chickens or, you know, things like that. And as a matter of fact, if you'd like to do a grocery store, you know, kind of just field trip, we could do that sometime. Just go check out the whole store and see what might be there.
1: Yeah, you know, that would be really helpful because I've just been getting my mac and cheese at the corner store. They have a small little section of just some Mm -hmm. little bit of groceries. And um, and I'm just I'm used to going to corner stores to get food yeah. and like the grocery store. It's just I don't I don't know where anything is. And- yeah.
0: Oh, and it's so overwhelming. It's so huge. I mean, I've been there a gazillion times, and I still, you know, can't remember where stuff is. So maybe that's something we could do together. Um, but you know between now and then maybe you could at least just go see if you can find the mac and cheese and see what else is there and that might be you know something to try and I wonder you know I I understand that you get lonely in the evening have you thought about like just making doing some texting or calling to people that you know just to have a little bit of contact or
1: well I like while I'm watching tv I've been playing with that that app called TikTok and it makes me laugh but I don't I don't connect with anybody on it I just like to watch other people's videos Um, (laughs) yeah that's why I'm watching tv and yeah makes me feel good but yeah still lonely
0: yeah yeah well I tell you what some of these things just take a little while and you know so one of the things that I hope you can kind of tell yourself is that this you know is um a process and you know you're learning and figuring it out along the way and this seems like a great first step so how about if you try this and we get back together and talk about how the schedule went
1: okay yeah that that sounds good i wrote the things down um so i remember because sometimes i forget But like morning watch the news and have my coffee and then i'll go for a walk and Mm -hmm. In the afternoon, uh, plan to visit with uh some of my old friends. And maybe on the way back, that's when I could, if I'm feeling brave, try to go to the grocery store and um just learn my way around a bit and um see if there's other stuff in the box that I could cook. Maybe add some ground beef if um if I'm feeling brave. And then at night, um yeah, I'll I'll watch TV still, and um, but yeah, maybe I could text with somebody or, or send to someone a message to say I, you know, I miss them or I'm feeling lonely. Yeah,
0: yeah that that sounds um, that sounds like a really great thing to try. And I wrote it down too. And so what we can do next time we get together, you can tell me what worked well and is worth doing more of, and and what you didn't like so much, and 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 figure out something different to. Fry and we'll just keep on talking about it.
1: Okay. That's all right. So thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Linda. Uh, so um, I realized I probably shouldn't cut the slide up that whole time. <laughs> but, so um, that was really fun. Thank you, David, for doing that. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's kind of a way to use that tool. So we talked about the the schedule. We've talked about the guest policy. We've talked about translating leases. We've talked about how to help people prepare to do things. So, yeah, I mean, in the way that it it actually, you know, went with Linda since this is, you know, uh, her name isn't actually Linda and there's a little thing, some things that were different, but basically what ended up happening is she was, um uh, not as successful as some of the other clients where it's easier. She was eventually successful, but it took a long time because she ran out of money and then she realized she had to have a payee and she was so upset with herself for running out of money. And then she got like a speeding ticket in another town and we had to sort of try to, you know, get forgiveness on court costs. And then she was getting caught smoking in the uh, apartment and we had to work hard on that thing. Um, And she did have a hard time with loneliness and, but it was, you know, but that was, that is not an easy problem to solve either. And she eventually ended up um, leaving that apartment because she eventually got evicted, but then she, she ended up getting a place that was kind of in the country and they didn't really care if she smoked. (laughs) And she, even though there were some things about it that were, you know, harder, you know, um, actually it worked out really well for her. And so finding the right situation where it didn't matter if her cats scooted out the door and it didn't matter if she smoked, um, ended up being something that was more sustainable for her. So sometimes, you know, Sometimes it's like you're not going to put a square peg in a round hole, and you have to figure out like what's going to what's going to work. And sometimes it just takes a while. And one of the things with Cti, it sounds similar a little bit to your program, is that when I'm doing those things with her, I'm not thinking about myself as being like I'm here for the long foreseeable future to help with help with all these things. I'm thinking about what can I do right now to kind of help build your skills and your connections. And I'm also paying attention to how much more help are you gonna need going down the road so that I can connect you to the appropriate level of support now that I can see what's gonna be easy for you and what's gonna be hard for you. Cause I've also had people move into housing and they're like, boom, they're great. They're on top of it. It's just like, you know, housing first shining example, you know, and then sometimes it's, and it's hard to predict sometimes. So, well, thank you. So let's, I'm gonna keep going through our slideshow here. Um, So let's see, so we're going to talk a little bit about how to um, get to the end of CTI. So we're trying to sort of follow the CTI model all the way through. So at the, so when you're thinking about ending in nine months, it seems like a really long time um and and you may even have a whole year you may have six months but whatever it is it seems like it's long in the beginning but it flies by and so at the beginning it's kind of important to sort of frame it as this is how long we have to work together and these are the things that we're going to do and to along the way kind of remind people of where you are you know, so that you're, um, so that it doesn't come as a surprise or you, you know, that everybody kind of knows along the way, like how much time is is left, not in a pressured way, but just in a sort of like, this is our framework. Um, so sometimes in the phases, it doesn't go exactly, you know, in decreasing in intensity because life is messy sometimes. Um, so there may be a little bit of ebb and flow if there is a crisis or there may be, Something new or different happens, so that could be if somebody goes into the hospital, or into jail, or else something really wonderful happens. You know, too, like um, you know, um, um, you know, people, you know, um, you know, have a new relationship and move in with somebody, or. Um, you know, they uh, get benefits is another one, but we'll have positive things happening too, but that changed the situation. Um, that there is a challenge with that nine month time frame that a lot of people have difficulty with, but you know, because it, when when your clients are done with nine months, their lives are not going to be perfect. <laughs> they're, they're not, they're still going to have issues. They're still going to have things that are challenging. But so the goal isn't to get to the end of nine months and have everything be great or perfect. The goal is to get as far along as you can with um, getting people connected with services or resources and certain, and stability so that they can kind of keep going on their own. And it may be that you run into them a year down the road and get to see how much progress they've made since then, um, but often it, it feels at the end of nine months, like, oh boy, things are still hard for this person, but the goal isn't to get to, a, to somebody's life where everything is solved. Um, sometimes people wonder about an extension of CTI, and the only reason we ever did an extension of CTI, if there was, it wasn't just because we said, wow, they're still having a rough time, so we should keep going. We only extended it if we said, that we're asking for an extension of this amount of time because there is this task that we need to do that's not completed. So it might be that there was uh, like a, um, a recertification of a lease or a benefits of disability hearing or a court date or, um, you know, like some big task that we've been sort of seeing through all the way and we want to get over that hump or we're waiting. Or you know we're waiting for something to to happen, Um, and so so it's it's not really a great idea to just extend it just because you feel like they still need you um, because that may always feel true. Um, So the the tricky part in you know coming to the end of services, and this is probably not just true of Cti, but anything that's time limited. Is to make sure that you're completing all the work in the phases. So that's a sort of like moving along, um, you know, not getting too, um, you know, sort of not pausing for long periods of time or just letting things fade into the background, but keep going, um, making sure that the transition to whatever other services are going to be in place is is um, planned for, and knowing that you know, you won't solve everything, but you've got people set up to get the support they need going forward. So now I'm going to move into talking about the CTI team and structure and roles. So these are the different roles in CTI. So we have a CTI worker who's kind of out there um, doing things with people out in the community. And then you have a supervisory role, so you need to have somebody supporting the team and who has sort of responsibility for how the team is doing, sort of at large. And then you need to have somebody doing coordination functions. So this in CTI is called the field coordinator, um, but you just have to have somebody doing that job, even if there's uh, not one designated person to do it. But these are the these are the role functions that. Need to be in place, and so in in a CTI team, the CTI worker um, role is is this. So there's this is not. It's a team approach in that you have a CTI team, and that you have a caseload in your team. However, unlike something like an act team, and maybe the same for your FSP teams, um, there's just one CTI worker for each client. So each cli- each person has their own caseload. And so that's um, different than um, other teams, but that's a CTI model. Um, And that the CTI worker is building and maintaining this relationship, understanding their needs, doing the phase planning and doing all the work involved in the phase plan, all that linking, addressing goals, addressing problem areas, all that. So that's kind of what a CTI worker is doing with their their caseload. Lots of collaborating, uh, lots of problem solving, and then adding new goals at each phase and and sort of measuring sort of success at um, at the previous goals. The field coordinator role is to set up some kind of system of communication within the team, and especially if assistance is needed. Because, you know, just because you have your own caseload doesn't mean you're never going to need help from somebody else for coverage or something like that. And if there's like a moving day or there's, you know, something like that, you're going to probably want to have everybody's um, assistance or whoever's available. So we certainly did that on our team. If like somebody was going to be moving into housing, we would all block up our calendars for that day because that's a big deal. Or, you know, occasionally we would go. I don't recommend this as an ongoing project, but that occasionally we would do an eviction rescue by going in and helping people clean, you know, their apartments if that was sort of why they got referred, referred as they were about to get evicted. And we might do kind of a big sort of effort at rescuing so that we could start with a sort of a clean slate, no pun intended, to help them. Um, you know, do a better job going forward to not get evicted. Um, so a field work coordinator can plan for coverage, uh, for following up on what's happened in team meetings to,
1: you know, making
0: sure that everybody's communicating. Um, also, feel somebody probably needs to monitor things like documentation and progress notes and all that kind of stuff. Um, And somebody should be facilitating uh, the weekly team meetings, whatever, you know, however that um, takes place, uh, doing administrative tasks. um, And field work coordinators can have a caseload, but it's not required for fidelity. Um, And this really depends on the size of the team. So like in my team, you know, it was pretty small. So we didn't have a field work coordinator that just did that. So we had a CTI worker who also did the, all this coordination and then I was doing all the CTI work but I was also the clinical supervisor. So my caseload was a little bit smaller but I still had one. And Nick, he was also had a caseload but it was a little bit smaller. And then we had a couple other people that were just sort of full-time CTI workers who you know, didn't have those other responsibilities. Um, and then the clinical supervisor role is, is in the CTI models, would be a licensed professional providing some clinical perspective, objectivity, helping to identify high priority clients or needs, assist in risk assessment and safety issues. Um, they, they feel facilitate the team meetings and they're the people who are ultimately responsible for fidelity. If you're trying to have a CTI team that meets model fidelity, which we did, that was why we were you know doing it. That was sort of important to our team. Um, so we did that um, and also clinical supervisor can just be, uh, can be full-time, but also it's possible to have a clinical supervisor who just does that um, and doesn't have a caseload. And I believe as long as a clinical supervisor has some experience doing this kind of work, because it's really hard to provide that kind of support for people if you really you know, don't understand that population or, or the kind of work that it entails. So that's kind of the way uh, a CTI team is, is structured a little bit lose but those are the role functions that have to happen. So now I'm going to talk about team meetings um, a little bit. So team meetings we're going to talk about fidelity um, because some of you may be interested in trying to actually have a CTI team and if you're not then you might just be looking for what in CTI looks like it would be a valuable piece to add to to your existing teams. Um, what kind of support could happen in a team meeting, uh, providing information, doing a case review and consulting about uh, difficult situations. So basic principles of team meetings, um, probably not just unique to you know, CTI, but you wanna stay focused on supporting the team and problem solving and not getting negative or not blaming clients or not blaming other people. So I don't know if you've ever been in a team meeting where everybody's just like venting (laughs) or complaining. Um, So sometimes you got to do that a little bit. You know, We all need that moment of saying, oh my gosh, you wouldn't even believe what happened this week. I can't, you know, this was, you know, whatever. Like we all can have a little bit of that, but uh, mostly what you want to then do is shift into problem solving in a kind of proactive, creative way. And that the serving clients effectively is the primary goal. And I think it's important to have a a, a culture in your teens of feeling like open, being able to be like open and honest about difficulties um, and challenges that you're having. um, And, you know, being able to hear people's feedback and suggestions. Um, and also you, that you know that when you get feedback and suggestions, it's gonna be done in a really kind of supportive and kind way um, because who wants to be open and honest about something that's hard if somebody's just gonna tell you what you're doing wrong or act like you're, you know, don't know what you're doing. Um, so, you know, this kind of work is really difficult. It's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to feel stuck or not know what to do. And when you're in the middle of it, you're more likely to feel stuck because you're in it, you know, and so the the thing about a team is that you can talk with somebody else who has a little more objectivity or is less, you know, uh, feeling a little less frustrated or angry or upset about it because, you know, that can happen when you're doing this kind of work and offer um, and our brains don't work as well if we're you know, agitated or upset or angry or whatever. So, you know, if, if we're feeling that way, then we need our teams to kind of help us get a little distance and be more uh, creatively problem-solving and figuring out what to do. So um, in a team meeting, you one thing that can happen is that you can fill out the required documents um, that are elements For model fidelity, and I'll show you those, but probably not today. Um, But the other thing you can do is instead of doing all that paperwork, is have a spreadsheet. So I don't know if other people are using this, um, but what we did is we had a spreadsheet and we actually filled it out in our team meeting because nobody wants to go back after a meeting and fill out, you know, a dang spreadsheet. You know, it's like, so we would just take turns. And we'd go through our clients and we'd figure out anything we needed to put in our spreadsheet that was data collection or notes or whatever, and go ahead and do it right in our team meeting um, so that it was done. Um, so in a team meeting, you wanna review all new referrals and figure out who's gonna take the case, you know, who's gonna um, meet with the person or how to get that connection started. Um, you're going to review, in CTI, you're supposed to review every single case at least once a month. Um, And so we reviewed every single case at least once every three weeks because we had a pretty big caseload and we split our caseload into an A group, a B group and a C group. And every week we had a rotating schedule. So on week one, we talked about everybody on the A list, next week, everybody on the B list, the next week, everybody in the C list. And that way we weren't feeling rushed and pressured because we wanted to spend time giving each client the attention of the team, um, but we got through everybody on a regular basis. And then you wanna talk about any new cases and I would say, hey, you know, I just met with John for the first time this past week. Here's the situation, here's what his needs are. Um, and this is what we're gonna be probably working on with him. And then you wanna have um, time for sort of group supervision or consultation about difficult issues. And so we'll talk about that. So that's a, another function of a team meeting. Um, and then also, you it's also good to carve out a little time to share anything new that you know that's happening in your community. Mm-hmm. So that could be new resources, or it could be, you know, this past year, we were hearing a lot about, you know, where to get COVID testing and uh, you know, where, you know, how, you know, to get people emergency services. And, you know, uh, there was a lot new, there was a lot of new resources during COVID for some reason. Um, and so if you hear about a new resource to share that with the team, because it is an ongoing process to remain experts in your community resources. So it's, you know, it takes a lot of ongoing attention. Um, And address any administrative issues, you know, things just related to your agency. Um, Talk about, you know, gathering input about things and talking about like coverage issues, who's going on vacation, um, who needs help with, with this or that. And especially that's true if you've got new people on your team so that, they're getting a lot of support to learn their job. So, these are the kinds of problems that typically come up when people need consultation. Um, and these are on one of the CTI forms. Um, so, if somebody's having a major problem with their support system, um, if they're like, say, somebody just you know, said, yep. Yeah, um, Uh, my Bob's mom is kicking him out of the house and he's gonna not have anywhere to stay um, starting Saturday um, or whatever. So there's some problem with the support system. If there's a crisis, you wanna talk about that. If somebody is refusing services or you can't get in touch with them and they're disengaged for some reason, you wanna talk about that to figure out what to do about that um, and not just sort of let them fade away. If there's some significant event, a big change of some kind. If you need to plan for a new phase or a new set of goals, obviously you want to share good news because um, you know. And then, if there's an upcoming discharge, you want to sort of talk with the team about, you know, okay, this discharge is coming up. Um, what are all the things we need to do before that time? So these are typical kind of challenges that our team needed to um, talk about. So this will probably be familiar. You can't engage a client. They're not calling you back. They're no-showing you. You can't reach them. They're, you know, they're, um, you know, that there's some difficulty with engaging. Um, That you're working and working and working and things aren't working, you know, so you're not sure what's happening, but the things that you're doing aren't, um, solving the problem that you're trying to solve. So that's you know uh, a challenge to talk about with your team. That you need resources that you either don't exist or you don't know if, if they exist or how to get them. So that's a good thing to talk about in a team. If people have had re- relapses or hospitalizations, um, that's an important thing to talk about. Um, if there's a crisis of some kind, um, like a new legal problem or uh, you know somebody just got an eviction notice or so their power is going to get turned off or they just got assaulted or something like that, you want to jump in on a crisis because usually if a crisis happens that means people need to step in and do something um, to help out or minimize the impact of the crisis. So um, you know, when we have a crisis on our team, we really want to figure out, okay, what's everything that we need to do to help this person in, in the crisis. If there's a relationship disruption that all of a sudden somebody gets really mad at you um, and they're yelling at you on the phone and saying, don't ever call me back, um, you want to you know, figure out what to do about that. And I think somebody else um, last week mentioned that sometimes, you have to switch who's working with that person. So sometimes that can be a good solution or sometimes people have to figure out how to patch up and repair things, you know, cause we can sometimes, you know, make mistakes with people too. I had this one client that I love dearly. I've known her for a long time and she was so out of control all summer that she would call me screaming at me and wouldn't let me get in a word edgewise edge and was just just like mean and kind of. and I you know, um, and I consider myself a patient person, but I was just getting, you know, I was getting frustrated and getting like kind of angry myself and I didn't want to yell back at her. and I don't want to hang up on her, but I didn't know what to do about it. so I really had to figure out how to get some support. For my team and what do I do about this when she calls me screaming and my team was really able to help me figure out some ideas. Um, sometimes there's so many problems you can't figure out what to do first and it's just kind of confusing and overwhelming so that can be a good reason to talk with your team. Um, boundary issues, so if somebody is like just um, crossing your limits, you know, all the time, or, you know, just um, that you've said what's okay or what's not okay. And you feel like, you know, so somebody on my team is really, really nice guy. And he tends to answer his phone after hours at times, which is fine. But then he has somebody that won't stop calling him. And so then you know he was like oh my gosh what do i do like i want to be able to answer the phone but i can't answer the phone all the time and try to figure out like how to handle that um anytime you feel like there's a risk assessment a risk assessment need like you know you're worried about somebody harming themselves or harming another person um and then there's that phenomenon of um watching a train wreck in slow motion that you can see it happening you know <laughs> Um, that's a little bit like what it was like when I was like, oh my gosh, you smoke, the cats are out, the neighbors are starting to complain, you know, our friends, these people are coming over, I see where this is going, what do I do to, um, stop the train wreck if I, if I can. So those are the, some of the kind of challenges that can be really good topics for a team meeting. And if that you're having these things happen. And your work with clients, then you um, should be able to talk about them with your supervisor. But there's something about being able to talk about things in a team that's just like fantastic. If your team's like supportive and really helps you do a better job and you help them do a better job, and you feel like you're kind of in it together, um, that can be a great thing to do. So I'm gonna I wanna stop there for a minute. And this is just kind of an individual um, exercise, but um, take a few minutes to write down, just on a piece of paper, um, um, something that um, you would like, um, that you feel like would um, be good for you in your teams, like if there was something that your team could do that you would feel was good for you, professionally, um, in some way or personally in some way, what um, you know to just kind of break down your ideas. And you're not you're not going to have to share them. You're not going to have to do it. So this is just like um, you know, just sort of a personal reflection o- about what would be good for you in your program in your team. Okay, so the next part of this, there's two more questions to answer. Um, do, you, do you think out of these ideas that you have, are there any of these ideas that you think uh, you could talk with your team about or with your supervisor about um, as an idea to maybe you know improve your team in some way? or just build on, even if it's a great team, something that you could build on. And then the last thing is to jot down some notes about is there anything that, that you would like to do different on your team um, that you think would be better for you or better for your team, but just something that maybe you could do a little bit differently, um, on your team, so just kind of looking at this from a few different angles. Okay. Um, So nobody has to share anything, this is kind of private, but if anybody would like to share any thoughts, um, I would welcome that. About any of those questions, you wrote that you'd like more frequent meetings with people on the, team so we could be on the same page because things tend to change quickly so more frequent meetings yeah. And you and you feel like you could maybe ask for for some things. Great yeah I I really relate to that because um, the latest program I have we realized we had to meet twice a week um. We don't really love meetings, but we we really needed to. Would love to have specialists um, embedded in the team. Yeah, that would be that would be really great. I don't know what all those acronyms are, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, and, and you know, sometimes like. Um, what's that saying? Uh, Like best is the enemy of good or something like that. You know, sometimes there can be a way to just um, invite somebody in, even if it's occasionally or something. Um, Our team has done that where we said, you know what? Let's invite the street outreach team to our meeting so we can get to know them and tell them what we do and understand each other a little bit better and make sure and bring donuts, <laughs> um, and just have you know more um, areas of specialty. That's that's a great idea. Yeah. Any other thoughts? One of the things that you know that I was thinking is that something that I forget to do that I think is important is to every once in a while say, "All right, how's everybody doing?" Like and go around and have people say like how they're coping and are they feeling burned out or what's feeling stressful. And, um, and we did that a few times over the past year. And then, you know, for at least a little bit of time just kind of focus on ourselves. And, you know, people were able to share, wow, I'm having a hard time being motivated to work. I really hate not, you know, um, you know, being able to see people. Yeah, a retreat, <laughs> having some kind of retreat, something fun. I know there's somebody on our team who really likes to try to get, um, you know, find trainings that feel, um, you know, relevant to his interests. Yeah, encouraging self-care. It's so important. We're kind of in jobs where we're giving and giving and giving a lot. Um and sometimes we can leave ourselves out of that. Um, actually, we're going to be talking about that quite a bit more on Thursday because um, I agree it's really, really important. Um, so, so I en- encourage you to kind of think about how your team is functioning. So the CTI model. Um, has a nice structure for a team, but it can't tell you how to have the right vibe in a team. Um, but the CTI model has this kind of nice structure in that, you know, you talk about every client at least once a month. This is you talk about new clients. If you keep track of the there's if you did like a team consultation, you say, you know, who it was and and why. So and I'll show you some of those forms. A little later, but then you'll know what I'm talking about. So, if you fill out the forms and you meet the regular amount of time and you talk about clients and you address certain kinds of, you know, sort of problems or stay up to date on resources and plan for coverage, then you can kind of get all the functions of the team. And it's really nice when you have a system to do it because then you know, things don't fall through the cracks, or then you don't feel like after the meeting, you still have to like call each other a million times or send a million emails or find each other in the hall. And so the way that we structure our team meeting is, you know, we get into the um, team meeting, somebody would be the person of you know, take notes and fill out the spreadsheet. We'd say, who has a client they have to talk about today? Um, um you know, does, you know, let's talk about coverage issues, anybody taking any time off? Um, so we get the client list, we've got sort of a topic, you know, agenda. And then we'd say, now we're going through list A, we're talking about every single client. And then we go to our client consultation list. About, here's a new person. Here's a person who's getting evicted. This is a person who just got, you know, benefits or housing and, that's just me, but I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> so, all right, let's see. Let me go back to my spreadsheet. Morale building on a team. Yes, yeah, so um, getting together to do something fun, at least every once in a while, very, very hard this past year. <laughs> um, but that's a really nice thing to do It's just every once in a while, like, you know, um, like whatever you know, like, like go take a walk together, go out to eat together, or um, you know, go bowl, go bowling, or do something that you would never do together at work. That you get to know e- get to know each other in a little bit of a different way. That's just just for fun. Um, another way to build morale is to offer training for people, especially training that they want to do, um, and so you know, cause we all have to do some trainings and, and that's important. We want to get the training we need to do our job, but it's also really nice to get training in something that is a particular interest to you cause we all have different professional um, interests that are just unique to us. And so it's nice to give that to people um, and having diversity on our teams, I think is really helpful to teams to have um, a wide variety of vacations and, um, backgrounds and um, that our teams have been, I think, richer, the more diverse they've been. Um, And then respecting time off and and people's needs to do personal things in their life, you know, that'll get you burned out real quick if you don't get to sort of take your time off and, you know, go to the dentist when you need to go to the dentist and take care of your kid when you need to take care of your kid. Um, And then, so some of these things are a little bit for supervisors you know so supervisors should act as advocates for their team um, because your team's working hard and they deserve your best advocacy in your organization and also another thing I think is good for morale is when there's communication um, within an agency so if you're kind of you know one of these people that's you know out in the community working and you're not in a lot of meetings with sort of the administrative staff or whatever, it really sucks to feel like you're the last person to find out about something that's news, you know, or like so-and-so resigned or there's a new person hired at the the front desk or this whole new policy came into place and you have no idea because nobody told told you. Um, So it's really important for somebody to be a good communication link. Um, and supporting professional growth. And then, you know, I've I've listened to some like, I don't know, businessy type podcasts and stuff. And one of the things that they all have in common is that people feel better about their jobs when they feel like um, they're listened to and that they're valued and people care about their input and they have a way to um, influence what, you know, Uh, how the work is done or what work is done. Um, And so those are things that, um, you know, help morale stay high, even when the jobs are difficult. So in our team, you know, uh, I didn't want to have a lot of turnover in our team. (laughs) And so we really tried hard to keep everybody feeling um, good about their job and valued. and, And like it was, they had a nice work, Life balance, and um, you know, so that they would want to stay. So, I think that's all I have on that because the next part is fidelity monitoring. So, I'm gonna stop here, yeah. So um, maybe I'll just open it up for a minute where I'm almost hesitant to go into the next section because it's kind of, um, it's whole new topic. Um, So I don't know, David, I might just open it up for questions, but it might, even though it's only quarter three, it might make sense to pause here rather than try to cover a whole new topic because everybody's been listening to me for a long time.
1: that'll work out just fine as well so no issues
0: okay Um, so let's see so why don't between um so next week what we're going to be talking about is um self-care like you know a good amount of time on that and also about kind of all the forms and all the fidelity stuff so that if you so 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 that if you're thinking about doing a CTI model or CTI model light or CTI informed um, practice in some way that you can sort of, you know, start to pick and choose and see what makes sense for your program. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say next week? I meant to say Thursday. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Um, And on Thursday, we'll just kind of um, pick up where we left off and go through some of the other forms and fidelity stuff and wind up on um, self-care strategies. So I guess, um, all right, well, if nobody else has anything to add, so I'll just keep an eye on my emails and we'll just see you on Thursday at nine o'clock your time. Thank you, everybody.